0: up City Hope Church. That's good. That's good. I mean, I'll take it. Whatever. Who started working out? Anybody? Nobody. Okay. Those was like three hands. Okay. Let's play that video one more time, please. I'm just kidding. Listen, if you have not started working out yet, I'm really surprised because every time I watch that, I just like feel like I should immediately start working out. Um, Welcome to church. It is great having you guys with us. Welcome to all of our campuses. You guys in Mobile, Foley, Bay Minette, guys at home in prison, everybody watching online. It is great to have you. Can we just give everybody a big hand? Can you guys help me? Welcome everybody. It is uh, it's great having you guys at church with us today. We're so excited that, you, um, that you're here and that we are in the third part of Stronger. Um, This, so far, this incredible series about strengthening our faith, strengthening who we are in God. Um, And so if you're okay with it, I'm just going to jump right in. Stronger Part 3. Because I I really believe that... that very simplistic message that this is, um, has the power to really affect your life. Um, You know, just last week, Pastor was talking about, um, you know, he kind of talked about devotion and how devotion leads to discipline and discipline leads to delight. Um, And as I was thinking about that, thinking about this topic, um, really the idea of getting stronger at anything requires discipline. Even though, you know, we talked about that's kind of the, you know, the ugly word, the D word, you know, whatever. We don't typically like that word. But for you to get stronger at anything in life requires discipline. Anything. Right? I mean, if you want to go to the gym, you can't just go one time. Because I've done that one time and expected to walk out looking like, you know, the Hulk or something. It doesn't doesn't happen, right? It takes time after time after time. It takes discipline. And so discipline is this idea that's this delayed gratification, that I'm going to make a decision today based off of months or years from now. And so if you if there's anything in your life you want to thin down or bulk up or you want to learn a new field, you want to be a specialist in something, you want to learn, you want to learn something, go back to school or you want to be a better parent, you want to do anything it requires discipline. It means you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision that I'm going to change something about me. I'm going to make my life better. I'm going to make me better. I'm going to do something different. And then every single day, it requires, like, micro decisions that reinforce that decision. That ultimately, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get stronger. Okay? I'm going to wake up every morning and go to the gym. Or I'm going to eat better. So every time I sit down at a table with food in front of me, I've got to make another decision. In light of my other, you know, of uh, uh, that big decision, I've got to make a decision right here and now. Am I going to support that or not? And that's discipline. That's what that is. It's just every single day, it's kind of leading yourself to be better. It's deciding, I'm going to be better, and every single day I'm going to do something. I'm going to make decisions that enforce that thing. And that's really what stronger is all about. We're talking about so many different areas of life. We've talked about your faith. we have talked about devotion. We're going to get into some incredible topics that ultimately come down to how can we be stronger in our relationship with God? What can we do? How can we push that thing forward? Um, Joshua, in the book of Joshua, he's now leading the children of Israel, and he makes a statement. Most of you guys have probably heard this statement before, but he says this. Uh, this is chapter 24, verse 15. He says, Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a very powerful statement, and I know some of you guys probably have it hung on a wall in your house and all that kind of stuff. But what I really believe that Joshua is saying in this statement is he makes it very specific to say, this day. Choose today. Choose right now what you're going to do. Because Joshua believed that no one ever randomly drifts in a God-honoring direction. Okay, like you take your hands off your steering wheel and your car just drifts to one side of the road, right? That Joshua knew that the moment you take your hands off the steering wheel of your life, you will not just naturally drift into God. <laughs> Okay, Because your selfish man takes over. You take the hands off the wheel, and you will naturally drift in the opposite direction of God. Your thinking, your motives, your intentions, everything just naturally begins to drift away. So discipline is keeping my hands on the wheel and keeping the vehicle of my life pointed at God. I'm going to make decisions that reinforce that. I'm going to drive my life into God. I'm going to make those decisions every single day. It's interesting because... All around the world, people are having to make these decisions in a very different way than we are. There are Christians being persecuted everywhere. All around the world, people being put to death because of their faith. And you think about the decision that they're making that morning that that they wake up. They're having to decide, man, do I really believe this? Is this really something that I want to die for? Is this really something that I want to live out? If so, then yes, I'm willing to die for it. But in America, we don't have to make that choice. In America we can slip in and slip out of church very easily we don't really have to make those big decisions we can just kind of stay in the back burner and kind of stay in the back and just kind of breeze on by but the whole idea of this is for you to fully embrace all that God has for you because right now so many of us are just scratching the surface as to what God wants in your life you want to God to make a skyscraper out of your life, but you're not willing to dig the foundation to hold it up. So, so many of us are settling for a two story life just simply because we're not willing to dig the foundation. We're not willing to get dirty and dig in and make those decisions that that are required to become this life that God wants you to live. You following me? You got me? I'm just getting warmed up. You ready? I feel like this is dead in here right now. Are you excited? I know, we're talking about the D word, nobody gets excited with the D word, but This is a big, big deal when it comes to your spiritual life, your spiritual faith, where you're going with God. And there are a lot of spiritual disciplines, and we'll talk about a few of them here and there. But there's one specific one that I really want to hone in on, and I want to really grab hold of and hopefully unpack it in a very simplistic way so that you get it, and we can walk out of here today stronger. You can make a decision to take a step forward. Now, we've talked, you know, you've all heard the spiritual disciplines of reading your Bible, of praying. Maybe fasting, worship, some of those kind of things But the one I want to talk about today is In some ways, is kind of like the bridge between them all It kind of connects them all Today I want to talk about being stronger in meditation Stronger in meditation And I'm already seeing some of the eyebrows do this number Like, huh? If you've been around church or been around faith for a little while, you may have a good idea of what that is. But a lot of you, you have no idea. Your immediate mindset of meditation is somewhere completely off and different from where we're going to go today. So what I want you to do is I want you just to open your mind and just, just hear, just listen, allow God's word to speak to you today. Because I believe that this idea of meditation will help you in so many ways. Meditation is a very simple concept. Meditation just means to ponder or to give serious thought and consideration to a selected piece of information, to a selected piece of information. So, it basically means… That I'm gonna take a thought, a scripture, a word, an idea, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kinda churn on it. I'm gonna think on it. I'm gonna let my brain just kinda go. And you know, immediately some of you guys thought like this Eastern meditation, you know, your mind kinda went into like world, like yoga and some of this kind of stuff, right? Where you just sit in weird poses and, do your hands some way, you know, something. It's not what I'm talking about at all. It's nowhere near, okay? Because in that type of meditation, you're really shutting your mind off and you're going inside. Biblical meditation is the opposite. You're actually cranking your mind up it's it's not shutting down the analytical processy side of your mind so that you can find the beings that are floating around i don't know whatever but you know like you're focusing your mind you're pondering you're thinking you're you're allowing an idea to just churn inside of you You're you're, you're revving that thing up, and it's not sitting in one spot for, you know, an hour and thinking on it. This idea is throughout your day. It's throughout your life. It's taking this thing and just allowing it to churn in your mind and your heart all day long and thinking it out. This idea is found in Scripture over 80 times, especially in the Psalms. You'll hear this concept over and over and over again about how important it is to meditate on God's Word, Joshua 1.8 says this. He says, do not let this book of the law, this Bible, depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will have a prosperous and successful life. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditation is a huge thing. Huge. Let me give you a, a kind of a word picture that maybe will help you, help you wrap your head around this just a little bit further. Um, And it's quite a disgusting word picture, mind you. And so let me just go ahead and tell you, it's going to be weird for a second. It's going to be awkward, but we'll get past it, and then I'll be able to talk about it without you going, ooh, okay? Um, But here's this idea of meditation is, you know, down in South Alabama, we all know what a cow in a field looks like, right? And we all know that they're always chewing. Have you ever noticed that? Every single cow in every single field is always chewing. And this is why. What a cow does when they take a bite of their grass... So lovely, and they chew on it, right? And then they swallow it. This is disgusting, but get ready, okay? They swallow it, then they throw it back up into their mouth, get a little bit more flavor out of it. You know what I'm saying? There's a little bit more there. I can get a little bit more out of that one. No lie, then they'll swallow it again. I think there's still more there and they'll chew on it some more. Listen, cows will do that over and over and over and over again. They will chew on their food, swallow it, throw it back up, chew on it some more, swallow it, throw it back up, chew on it some more. And listen, what they're doing is they're extracting every bit of the nutrients and the nourishment that they possibly can from that grass. Every last bit of it They're getting everything out of it that they can. They will do that over and over and over again. This is a perfect but disgusting idea of what meditation is. It's this this idea of taking the Word of God and churning on it, chewing on it, swallowing it, processing it, and then going, you know what? I, I need to think about that a little bit more. I need to bring that back into my mind, and I need to churn on that a little bit more. I need to think about that a little bit more. Right? And I'm going to get every bit of nutrient, every bit of of, of nourishment that I possibly can out of the Word. That's what meditation is. Tim Keller, the pastor Tim Keller calls meditation, or he says this, he says, Meditation is tasting Scripture. I love that. It's tasting it. It's delighting on it. It's really understanding the the textures and the nourishment and and the flavors of the text. It's really getting it. So many of us just breeze by it, or the Bible has become a Sunday morning experience. Right? It's a Sunday morning thing. It's a, um, you know, it's it's a devotional you do every now and then with your kids when you read, you know, something. Or, you know, like that's it. That's all that there is to it. But there's so much more to it, and meditation helps us pull that out. Helps us find that. Because in that place, when you fully understand the Word of God then there's prosperity and there's success and there's living a full life with wind in your sails where you can fully embrace all that God has for you because he has more for you. Meditation is a huge deal because of how important the Bible is. The Bible is alive. This is not The Bible is not just a book that sits on your shelf like every other book. This book is living, and it's active, and it's relevant to our day, right where we are, right now, in 2015, with everything that we got going on, it is relevant to right now. It's important. And whenever we meditate on it, we get the nourishment, we get the revelation, we get the truth of God's Word, and it becomes applied to our heart. And we begin to live it out. We begin to walk it out. We begin to do things differently, which leads us to prosperous and successful life when we truly get it deep down into our soul. Hebrews 4.12 says this, uh, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the faults and attitudes of the heart. It is alive. One translation says that it's like a surgeon's scalpel. It is that precise and it knows you, and it gets deep inside you, and it can separate bone from marrow, thoughts from intentions. It can get inside you and be alive if you let it be alive. And that's the key of meditation is getting to that place where the Word can become alive in you. I've heard it said before that rabbis would refer to the Bible or to the text as, um, as a jewel or a gem with 70 faces. So think about that if I were to have like a 50 carat diamond, okay? Like a huge polished beautiful gem in my hand right and it has 70 faces all the way around it so in whatever direction i look at it i'm seeing different parts of this beautiful stone and the way the light refracts and reflects and the way it you know all this stuff does it looks different every time i turn it everywhere i go the way the light comes out the back end you know have you ever gone into a jewelry store and there's like every light in the universe is turned on in that store Like it is the brightest place in the planet when you walk into a jewelry store. Why? Because they want you to see every nick and cranny and every facet of that beautiful stone. But then you walk outside into the sunlight, and it's a different color light, and it's from one source, and all of a sudden the stone looks different. The way the light's reflecting is different. And then I go home and my house is a lot darker and I've got one lamp on and I'm sitting there and that stone is going to look dramatically different in that place than it did in the super bright store or out in the sun. Because the way the light reflects is different. This is the way the word of God works. Wherever you are, whatever location, whatever destination you find your life in, the word is going to reflect differently to apply to your life. And so every time you look at it, it's going to be a little different. Whatever season you're in, whatever place you're in, wherever you are in life, you're going to come back to it and all of a sudden you're going to see this fresh revelation of the Word of God that you never even saw before. You're like, man, I've been reading that scripture for years and then all of a sudden in light of where I am and in light of His Word being alive and active, all of a sudden there's a fresh meaning, a, a revelation, that eureka moment where you go, oh my goodness, how have I missed that all these years? And it's because you've you've now applied this living and active word into your soul, and it's a part of you, and it's alive. It gets deeper and deeper into you, deeper than you could have ever imagined. And then you live a prosperous and successful life. Then you experience that. So back to Joshua 1.8. I'm going to read it one more time. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. So chew it up, swallow it, regurgitate it. Chew it up a little bit more, swallow it, regurgitate it. Day and night, not just a few minutes in the morning, not just on Sundays, but day and night, every single day so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it so that you'll actually begin to live it out. You'll actually begin to walk it out. You'll actually, all of a sudden, when you go to the drive through line and the guy messes up your order, instead of going off and saying something rude, the Word of God comes up out of you because it's in you. And then all of a sudden, you begin to live a prosperous and successful life. Just like that, Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this, Blessed is the one, the man, the woman, the nation, the family, who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted in streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whether Whatever they do prospers. I love this picture of a tree planted by a stream of living water. Because no matter how dry the season that that tree goes through, it will always flourish because of where it's planted. And it's in that moment of meditating on the Word and fully digesting the Word that you're planted next to streams of living water. And you begin to live in the fullness of God. There are a couple things that hinder us that stop us, that keep us from fully engaging in this practice, engaging in this discipline. And one of those is simply this. It's that our minds are already at meditative capacity. Some of you guys are really good at meditating already. Actually, I would say all of you are really good at meditating already. The problem is we meditate on the wrong things. And the things that we're meditating on, the things that our minds are churning and pondering and spinning on are the things that keep us in confusion and hurt and pain and all these things, bitterness, lust, all this stuff. We stay there. And our mind is focused on that instead of us beginning to meditate on the truth of the Word of God. Right? Some of you are just bound to worry and fear, and you can't break free of it. And you're going, man, I've prayed. I've stood in this altar, and I've prayed that fear would be gone from me. I've prayed about it. But yet, when you walk out of this place, your mind is running on the what-ifs and worried and fear and this and this, instead of coming back to the Word of God and the promises of God that there is peace that there's wholeness, that there's goodness in God. Instead of you focusing there, you pray, Jesus, help me, oh, Jesus, help me. Then you walk out of here and your mind immediately goes to, well, I hope my kid doesn't have a wreck and I hope this doesn't happen. And what if this happens and what if we can't pay the bill? blah 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 And the next thing you know, you're right back in that bondage. You're right back bound into that thing because your focus, your meditation is completely at capacity. There's nothing else that you can possibly think about other than your problem. Other than that argument, that conversation you had last week that you're still replaying in your mind. I should have said this. Boy, if I would have said that, I would have got him. Right? And we're still replaying. Let the thing go. Focus on the truth of God's word. Those lustful thoughts that you keep saying, man, one of these days I'm going to get free of this. One of these days I'm going to get past this. I'm going to move on from this. But those fantasies and those things are still playing in your head. And your focus, your meditation is there, not on God. You're stuck in your bitterness, you're stuck in your your disbelief, you're stuck in whatever that thing is because that's where your mind is focused. And you're meditating on that instead of the Word of God, it will hinder you. Meditation is making the truth louder in your mind and heart. Think about it, meditation is making it louder, the truth of God's Word louder in your heart, which just ultimately leads to freedom, it leads to fruit and it leads to a full life, a full life. As long as you focus on the lie of bondage, you'll never experience the freedom in truth. As long as you focus on the lie of bondage, you will never fully experience the freedom of truth because your meditation is focused on the wrong thing. The second thing that I think hinders us is that our view of the Bible is too small. Our view of the Bible as Americans is puny and weak and small and it's just not good. Right? In, in, in our culture, in our society, the validity, the authority of the Bible, of the Word of God has been reduced and reduced and reduced and reduced. And let me just go ahead and jump on a soapbox real quick. The next time I hear somebody refer to the Bible as an owner's manual, I'm going to smack you. <laughs> and if I ever see a bumper sticker that says basic instructions before leaving earth, I will rip that bumper off. Okay, because listen, all that is is reducing the idea of the Bible to an owner's manual. Guys, when was the last time you picked up an owner's manual for a delightful read? That's riveting information. I've always wondered what would happen when I push the start button. The popcorn button does what? Oh my gosh, right? But yet we refer to it as that. The only time I pick up the owner's manual is when something is broke, right? And I actually don't. I just go buy a new one. Right? I think, I think all the women pick up owner's manuals, right? Us guys, we would never do that. No, we'll just go buy a new one. Right? We've reduced the Bible to just a book of Band-Aids and formulas and symbolism and, and ancient stories and metaphors. And it's just all of a sudden now it's just, you know, it's a good book. It's got some good stuff in it. You can learn some stuff from it. But is it the authority of your life? Have you established it as the authority in your life? Is it a non-negotiable in your life that every single day I'm going to spend time in the Word of God? This is a huge problem, a huge problem, because the Bible, you know, if you're you're not careful and you've reduced the the importance or the authority of the Bible in your heart and in your mind then you look at the Bible as just ancient stories instead of stories that are happening now. See, the Bible didn't just happen thousands of years ago, but it happens today because the book is alive. I'm telling you, the book is alive. And it's happening right now in everyday life, in my life, and in your life. And until your eyes are open to that, you can't fully understand the Word of God. Like take the, the story of Adam and Eve, you know, it's a great story. Naked people running through a, a garden, picking some fruit, right? It's a great story. Happened thousands of years ago. Okay. But listen, every single one of us have made a decision that went against the heart of God. Every single one of us have crossed a boundary, crossed a line, went against what God said. This is the right direction. Every one of us have said, yeah, I know what you said, God, but this is the way I want to go. We all know the consequences of that. That story is our story. The story of Adam and Eve is very much our story. The story of the children of Israel being released from slavery in Egypt. They were bound. They were slaves. Their life was ruined. There was nothing left to it. Then God came in and rescued them. Guys, that's my story. That's my story. I was bound. I was a slave. And God saved me. God pulled me out of that place. The Bible is alive. It happens right now in every single one of our lives. And until we get that, until we understand that, the Bible is just a book. But when you begin to get it inside you and it begins to speak to you and you meditate on it and you begin to pick it apart, you realize just how incredible this story is. Listen to this. The deeper you dig into the Word of God, the deeper it digs into you. The deeper you get into it, the more you think and meditate and ponder, the deeper it gets inside of you. You start off by asking it questions, and then all of a sudden it starts asking you questions. And you go, ooh, what just happened? Oh my goodness, like mind blown. And all of a sudden, you didn't even realize it, but you're having a conversation with God. You're actually having a conversation with him. He may not be sitting in the chair. He may not be audibly, verbally talking to you. But all of a sudden, in your spirit, you're like, how in the world? I'm not smart enough to come up with that. Where in the world did that come from? And then you're like, well, this plays into that. And this connects over here. And then I look at this word. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my goodness. It's God talking to me. It's this beautiful connection where all of a sudden, this word is alive. And it's inside you, and it's a part of you. And it directs you, and it leads you, and it becomes a part of you. Listen, ultimately, God loves you more than you'll ever know. And as much as you want to have a great life, God wants you to have a better life. As much as you want to make great decisions, and as much as you want to be prosperous and successful, He wants you to be even more because He loves you. And it's in these moments that He has the ability and the opportunity to direct you into that to lead you into that, to help you see it, understand it, and then be able to live it out. You will be a a tree planted by living water. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't that an incredible thing? Come on, somebody, talk to me, right? All right, I've got just a few minutes left. So I want to I want to I want to get kind of practical with it. I love practical. I want you to be able to walk out of here with some steps in your hand that you can do immediately. Some of you guys are way down the road in your faith. And I hope maybe there's something that you're learning. Maybe there's something that you can pick up. But for some of you guys that are just starting and you're on this road and you're trying to you're trying to get this journey going, you know, you prayed the prayer and you just expected everything to get fixed. It doesn't work like that, okay? You pray a prayer and then you start being disciplined. You start making these kind of decisions. This is For the next few minutes, I really want to get practical and help every single one of us take one or two steps forward. That's my goal. That's my hope for you, is that you'll just learn something and you'll begin something new. Okay, so here, real, real, real basic, real, real simple. Okay, the very first thing that you have to do every single day is read the Word of God, right? revolutionary, right? You have to put the Word of God inside you. You have to make it a non-negotiable priority in your life. Okay, now listen, we all learn differently. We all think differently. Our personalities are different. For me personally, the first part of my morning has to be my Bible time. Has to be. I wake up at the butt crack of dawn, and I sit in my favorite chair with my favorite cup of coffee, and that's how I start every single day. Because I know if I skip it, Right? Three o'clock rolls around, and I'm going, man, I still haven't had a chance to do that. Midnight rolls around, man, I still haven't had a chance to do that. Right? I just put it off. Plus, me personally, the morning is the best part of my mind is alive, my mind is active, my mind is sharp, but I'm disciplined. The house is quiet. I can sit in my chair, and I can just spend time with God. If, if nothing else, that's where you start. Listen, you, you spend 10 or 15 minutes a day reading His Word. That's it. That's simple. That's, a, that's shallow end of the pool, man. Just get in the pool. Shallow end, fit 10 to 15 minutes a day in your favorite chair or whatever makes sense for you. The second one, don't let this scare you. Don't let this word scare you, but memorize. Memorize, I know, I just lost about half of you. Okay, listen, we're not memorizing here for any kind of Bible drills or you know, any kind of like debate or something, we're not, that's not it. The idea is this meditation, so listen. How many of you have read a passage of scripture or for that matter, anything? And you get to the end and you go, I have no idea what I just read. Thank you. Yes, I'm not alone. Okay, so here's what, here's what this does is you start this time off by going, God, let one passage jump out at me and slap me in the forehead. Like just one of them, let one of them. So then I'm reading through the lens of, I'm searching, I'm looking. What am I going to find? God's got something here for me. What's he going to reveal? What's he going to point out? What's he going to show me? And so I'm reading through the lens of this anticipation, this excitement. And then all of a sudden there is that moment, there is that scripture where I go, okay, that's interesting. What is that? Why? Why did that jump out at me? Why am I thinking about that differently? Why did I read it differently than last time? And then what happens? I meditate on it. I begin to think about it. Just like that, it's that simple. It just starts churning in my heart, in my mind. Maybe I write it in my journal. Maybe, maybe an hour later I come back and I read it again. Maybe I put it on a post-it note. Maybe I throw it on Facebook or Twitter. You know, maybe I, you know, in some way I'm just, I'm kind of putting it into my life. I'm making it a part of my life. I'm not sitting there necessarily having to like, you know, go through rules of memor- memorization. No, it's just becoming a part of my life. You know, and if there's something specific that you're going through, that you're battling, that you're dealing with, you know, focus on those scriptures, focus on those passages, read those things, memorize those things, because this is where meditation just comes alive. You know, I mean, if worry, going back to the worry anxiety thing, man, if that is, if that's something that you battle, if that's something that you deal with, then learn a verse like Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two, 22, that just says, cast all your cares on God. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken, right? So I'm going to focus on that scripture and I'm going to get that into my heart. And then the more I think about it, the more I start going, cast my cares. Okay, it says cast all my cares, the word cast, right? The word cast, that means I'm, I'm going to th- I'm I'm throw it, okay? So I'm not going to carry it. Instead of carry it, I'm going to throw it. I'm going to cast it. But what is it I'm casting? Well, I'm, it says all my cares, well, that's good. That's bad. That's—I mean—that's just literally everything. So, the well-being of my kids. That's the well-being of my family. My job. That's—I mean—that's all my worries. That's all my doubts. That's all my fears. So, it literally is saying right now that I'm supposed to pick it all up and I'm supposed to throw it to God. Why? Because oh, okay, okay because He's going to sustain me. Okay, because he will be my sustenance. He will be my passion. He will be my fire. So he's going to sustain me. He's going to give me. You see where I'm going with this? And the next thing you know, I've got ammo in my spirit. And I'm walking into the day and things are coming at me. And I'm like, no, I'm going to cast all my cares on God. I'm going to give him everything. In this moment, I'm going to give him everything. And listen, no matter what you're going through, if it's a, a sickness, a disease, there are scriptures. Uh, there are, you know, let me read a couple of them real quick. Uh, money issues, Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Right? You're frustrated there? Read that. Get to know that. Memorize that. You know, if you're battling your thoughts and that lustful thing or anger or fear or whatever it is, then Philippians 4.8, one of my favorites, man. Fix your thoughts on what is true honorable, good, right, pure, lovely. Think about, meditate on those things. You know what? You need, you need healing in your life. Psalm 103, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Right? What if you just got that into your spirit and it's a part of you and you come alive with it and it's deep into your bones and your joints and your marrow and it's a part of your everyday life. Psalm 119, I love this, says, Psalm 119, 104, says, I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. I gain insight, understanding from your precepts, and I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. All of a sudden, the word becomes a lamp to your feet, so I understand where I'm going and the direction that I'm taking and every step that I take. And then the next step, the final step of this, is you incorporate prayer. You incorporate prayer. And all of a sudden, there's this beautiful thing that starts happening where you're having a conversation with God. And you're speaking to God. You're talking to God. And I love this because as this thing starts to happen and as His Word becomes active in you, there's more revelation. So your faith is being built. okay? It's being activated inside you. And before you know it, you're going to be praying really big prayers. And you're going to be seeing God do really big things. You're going to start seeing God show up in your life in ways that you never thought were even possible. Because you got connected to his word and it's alive and there's revelation. And you begin to pray in in accordance to him and what he wants and what his desires are. Because you know him. And then you experience this fullness of life that we're talking about. There's wind in your sails. You become that skyscraper that you know God wants you to be, that you feel it in your bones. There's just something great that God wants from you. God has a plan for you and he wants for you. And this is a great place to start. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for, uh, for prayer and discipline and all these amazing things. And I pray, God, that we walk out of here today having learned something. God, that we apply this to our heart, to our life. Um, and God, we, just, we change something about us. We walk out of here different determine, God, to make some decisions to do life different. Determine, God, to, to dig into your word. Determine to know you more. God, we thank you so much for who you are, God. God, inspire, encourage, motivate us to be stronger in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen, before I go, I, I want to give the opportunity, if there is anyone here that is living a life that is separated from God, and you don't know God right now, and you're... Um, You know, you hear us talking about this fullness of life, and you want that. You want to experience that. Um, And the only way to do that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ, to know him fully. And so I want to give you that opportunity. If everyone would, real quick, just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here and, and, and you would say, man, I do not know Jesus Christ. And I need today to begin a relationship with him. I want to know him. I want to invite him into my heart. I want you to raise your hand real quick. If there's anybody here, just go ahead and slip your hand up. Mobile, Foley, Baymanette, anybody else, Holman, you guys raise your hands. I, see, I saw a couple. All right, let's pray this prayer together. Just keep your heads bowed. We're all, we're all going to pray this together at every location. Jesus, I love you. And I want to know you. I invite you to come into my heart and save me, and change me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for changing me. I give you all that I am and all that I have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those guys? Thank you.